This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast, the last one for 2023. It is Friday, December 29th, 2023, and I have got the excellent Jason Howell here with me. Hi, Jason. How are you? Miriam, it's a pleasure. I'm doing well. You know, I'm. it's right between Christmas and New Year. My mom's visiting. We've done a lot of like lounging around and doing nothing. So I'm happy to actually have something to do right now. <laughs> you honest. know, it's interesting you bring that up because... I've done the same. It's very rare that I shut down to the extent that I have this year between Christmas and New Year's. I have literally not looked at my email in multiple days on purpose because this is going to be an insane month of January. And we're going to see some of this coming in the topics today because everyone is launching their Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 phones. Like right now, like it's coming in the next few days. CS included. So, of course, some of them are not going to be released in the West or in North America right away. But the reality is, this is stupid, right? We also know Samsung's launching very soon. So, what's mm. your take on this shifting of the Snapdragon release earlier, 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 October this year, and and now causing us to panic right <laughs> during and after CS with new phone reviews? Does it kind of feel like... It's like a, what, what is the right analogy? I wanted to say snake eating its own tail, but I don't even know if that's the right analogy. But it seems to me like when we're talking about mobile phone uh, and smartphone development, there is a constant need to be ahead of the rest and to be ahead of the curve and be the one that's in front of the other thing because the the amount of time where that attention is is potent and powerful is is you know it's it's shrunk over the years it's become such a small sliver so in order to really captivate and capture that attention things get shifting and earlier and earlier and like maybe at some point you know 20 years from now it will have made an entire turn around the calendar we'll be back where it began who the heck knows <laughs> <laughs> that'd be hilarious by that point i'll be going to cs in my walker <laughs> but uh look the reality is it's shaping up to be crazy we know that yeah. OnePlus is coming up sometime soon with some stuff we're going to talk about some of the leaks and rumors we're seeing around that but at the same time it looks like a major leak this week happened this past week where uh samsung's possible launch date is january 17th so imagine we're back from cs around the 11th right we now have a week to calm down like remember how we had nothing in January and then a little bit in February and then a little bit yep February we go to yep. MWC mm-hmm. but then last year they did they did uh, Samsung early February and we were really busy in February because we had to review mm-hmm. the phones then go to MWC no no this year we're gonna get that boom right after CS that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. so do you think this is a credible thing? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that Evan Blass, any time I see a leak coming with Evan's name attached yeah. to it, I take it seriously, yeah. I, you know, which is not to say that any, you know, anyone in, you know, that's doing the work that Evan's doing is 100% accurate, but proven pretty accurate with Samsung when it comes to that. And I don't see any reason why that, why that wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, I, I trust it. I think so too. I think it's going to be happening and we're going to see the entire S24 series come out that there's a lot of rumors around that we've covered before. It looks very evolutionary. 
But that's been kind of Samsung's MO lately, right? It's all evolutionary, I feel like, at this point. And I think what's interesting to me about this, maybe I'll be proven wrong, and maybe it's actually not about Samsung in general, but just smartphones, uh, kind of the, the wide spectrum of smartphones going into the year 2024. Samsung, you know, the rumored Galaxy AI, which everybody has AI something or other. But I'm really excited to see... Here's here's my realization. Here's where here's where I'm at. Is that I'm less excited about hardware development right now. I'm really okay. excited about software enhancements that I believe as we you know venture this year two post open AI, you know, chat GPT and all the weird and cool potential things that AI can do. Now we're starting to see these companies really it's not like they've not done AI in their software experience before, but it's a new era of AI. And there's a lot more that I think is going to happen in the realm of making these devices far more useful for us in the ways that we may have assumed something like Google Assistant, or <laughs> some people may have assumed that Bixby would be the one to do it. But ah. you know what I mean? Like we had these ideas of what AI would do to really improve our use case of these devices. And I'm feeling pretty bullish that I think this kind of new era of AI and Galaxy AI is is what uh, Samsung has going. I'm I'm really curious to see like what are they going to do with this new power? What or or this this power that I assume is better than before? Like you know, especially with those chips coming on board that are really specialized for this type of work. That's what gets me really excited right now. Less less about the hardware, more about like how are they going to how how is that software going to become much more useful to me? Me too, but I feel like then it's going to make switching phones really difficult, right? I mean, unless it's mm -hmm. baked into Android, right? And we're mm -hmm. already seeing that, right? Pixel, like I'm still using a Pixel sure. 8 Pro because I love the software experience. I love the call yeah. screening features. I love all that stuff. I love the magic erasers and unblurs and all that in photos, which is not fully trickled down to other phones. It's slowly making its way there, but... Mm -hmm. The reality is for me, if I look at last year's phone landscape, we did the top five phones. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that for last year, but for, I should say this year, 23. But by the time I publish, wait, yes, it will be 24. <laughs> so my point is, is for me, the Open, the OnePlus Open was the hardware, the product that really stood out as my top, Man, top yeah, phone. You're not alone, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I can't use it as my daily because it's missing not even AI here. Not talking like edge AI, you know, chat GPT type AI. We're talking like kind of dumb AI, you know, right. I hate to say it yeah. that way. But mm -hmm. like it's missing those, those cool features that Pixel delivers, which is why, you know, in terms of primary communication device, like I'm basically on the Pixel for my day-to-day -day stuff. Except when I have to do a bit more work, then I have the, the open in my other pocket for the foldable stuff. And then, mm -hmm. of course, I got an iPhone for video, right? Because mm -hmm. even, even the Pixel 8 Pro, it's still not quite there. It's much better. And I know that the low light thing where you send it to the cloud, it's just so slow and cumbersome. And, you know, they finally, you know, uh, released that late last Wow, a week, a week or yeah, two. Yeah, like a couple of weeks you know? ago. And, yeah. and it's not, it's not to me, it's like, I again, it's AI, right? But it's not. So I want to see edge, like on device AI, like yeah. you're saying, yeah. right? And that's kind of where I think it's going to hit hard. Um, but again, if Galaxy does their own things, Pixel does their own thing, 
I feel like it's locking us into this ecosystem and that's what I'm concerned about. You know, as a longtime Android user, that's what I love about Android is the variety of the hardware. And I think there's still a lot of exciting stuff going on in the hardware, especially in cameras. And we're going to talk about some of that, but also in folding phones. I, I took me a while to really get into folding phones. First, it was mm. the flip phones. I really love those because they're just like the same use case. Just you fold it in half, you know, you put it in your pocket but you're still using it like a regular phone. But then with the OnePlus Open, it was the first time I really was like, okay, I think I can use a book style, tablet style folding phone now. The mm. software is there to make me more productive and it's intuitive. I don't feel like I'm having to learn too much new to make it work. And that's kind of why I'm still gung-ho about the hardware because I feel like, you know, yes, you're right. We're kind of plateauing in many ways. I, you know, as like I said, this, this whole thing started with me saying, yeah, it's going to be very evolutionary, the S24. But that's also Samsung thing, right? Look at the folding yeah. phones they launched in the summer in August. They were very evolutionary. It wasn't until OnePlus came along and said, let us show you how to make a, like Oppo really, right? Let us show how to make a folding phone. That's like mm -hmm. the right way to do it. And then everybody's like, ah, I think a lot of people got converted by that phone in our realm in of our media, yeah, yeah, right? right? But my point yeah. is if it converts us, right, then that's, I think a significant step. And it was software, of course, but it was also hardware and software combined, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The form factor of the open, the, the aspect ratio of it, making it look like a regular, like essentially iPhone mini when it's closed or maybe iPhone 14 or 15 base size, right? It's a smaller screen. Um, I think that's kind of kind of something that's still worth talking about. Like oh, I agree sure. with you, like, but I'm a little concerned that with AI we're gonna get compartmentalized into these these silos and people it's gonna be iMessage all over again, right? <laughs> well, that's 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 a really good point. I mean, I do think that there is room for differentiation in the software front as well. Same, same as with hardware. I don't want I don't want an ecosystem in the world of Android where everything is the same and looks the same. Like there have been, I, and I think my op opinion on that has shifted and changed over time because there have been Android experiences that are just, you know, highly uncustomizable and it, it is, you get what you get. And then that kind of got dull and boring for all the things that it benefited from. It also just kind of got very bland and samey and unexciting. So I'm, I, I feel like I'm okay with the differentiation on the software front, given that it doesn't end up creating what you're talking about, creating some sort of experience that we all have a need or around or that we rely upon, yet these phones aren't talking the same language. When it comes down to like AI customization and this, and, and this phone offering something that's just incredibly useful on a day-to-day -day basis, um, that's outside of that like necessity realm and is just plain useful. Like, I guess the only thing I can point to because it was completely unexpected for me is best take on the pixel eight pro. Right. Because when I yeah. saw that announcement, I was like, okay, that's one of those features that's really neat on stage and everything. And I'm going to use it once. And I'm going to be like, okay, I'm never going to use, going to use that again. And then I had the most ideal situation to use it in. And now I'm like, Okay, that I'm like, I'm, I'm legitimately excited about that and more features uh -huh. that really look into my life and make certain things possible that were really difficult before. Maybe not impossible, but we're, di we're difficult. And, uh, I don't know. I'm looking for easier life <laughs> via my phone. So maybe well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's why I'm saying like, I'm hoping Google can bake that into Android. Like, you know, like yeah. the. Yeah, China's still going to China, right? China's going to do their own thing. And we're going to talk about some phones from there because they're sure. kind of 
showing us where the hardware is going. But I think I'm talking here about like, I'm concerned with Samsung AI because we've mm. seen this before. We've seen Bixby come and fail. Do you remember yeah. when the, the, the whole Galaxy S3, S4 time, Mm-hmm. When they were these pebble-shaped phones and everything was yeah. nature-themed, remember? But they had a ton of custom features for Galaxy in there. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. some of them were really cool. Like, I mean, some of them were very gimmicky because Korea, it's a cultural thing. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I think that the core, some of these functionalities eventually made it into Android. Oh, yeah. As default features, right? We like probably take it for granted via, at this point. Like the, the, the sharing via NFC and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think that in that sense, I encourage Samsung to experiment because, you know, some stuff is stuck, like the Note mm-hmm. has stuck, right? They For still sure. make a phone with a stylus silo. You know, some other stuff is stuck, like, you know, so I, I want, I don't want to discourage, but I'm a little concerned because AI is so personal. It gathers so much information, but I'm not talking about the privacy so much. Like this can be done right. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. it forces you into staying in Galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way as I'm already feeling this with Pixel, it's forcing me to stay with Pixel, you know, the best shot, but not just that. Just think about all the calling features. For me, that alone, like the the call screening. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I sure. use it all. Huh. The, I get so much spam, right? Like not spam, yeah. but like some unsolicited call, like trying to pitch me something, and I'm like, eh, give them to my assistant. Yep. Have that my 100%. assistant deal with that. And it's funny because half, half the time people hang up, which is great because it's exactly what I want. And it's the, like, and the other half of the time, the transcript starts with, uh. Um, yeah, oh, uh, exactly. Hi. But sometimes <laughs> they're so taken are, off guard by it. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes people are like, they actually say, like, "Hi, I'm so and so, and I'm calling about oh, that," work. and then I pick it up, and then because then they're yeah. putting in the work. Okay, like, is this to me seems to be a feature that should trickle down to all of Android, like, mm. or maybe at least the Google phone app, mm-hmm. right? Like, why is this exclusive to Pixel? You see, and and so it's not just I'm not just saying that about Samsung. I'm saying that about all the manufacturers, like. This exclusive feature set has got to go. The whole point of Android was we just have slightly customized versions of the same experience, right? Mm-hmm. Not slight, slightly, not like, oh my God, I can't move from this phone because I'm stuck in this ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm a little concerned with that. But look, this is going to sell like hotcakes. I'm sure that the people who are running S20s and S21s right now are going to buy this S24. It's an upgrade, absolutely, yeah. And that's going to be the big audience. Um, don't expect magic. We talked a little bit about what to expect. The, the Ultra, the Ultra is going to have a, um, you know, a five megapixel sensor in the middle instead of a three. I think that's probably a good idea because uh, that 200 megapixel sensor can be stretched to 5X probably pretty well. But hey, you know, there's a lot of other phones coming and and in China and some of them are going to be available in Europe too. So the Find X series from Oppo is always been their flagship and it's always been imaging centric. It's like the Xiaomi Ultra series or, you know, um, I don't know. They're like basically, yeah, the Samsung Ultra as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, the X7 and X7 Ultra is interesting because usually they call them X and then the Pro, right? So then last year, last year was an X6 and X6 Pro. Previous to that, X5, X5 Pro. Um, this year, it's X7, X7 Ultra. Ultra. And, I know. And then so they uh, finally have, uh, there's, there's, there's a teasers that they've been officially showing all the angles of the phones. And yeah, they look very much like this design language you've seen on the OnePlus Open slash Oppo Fine N3, which is 
big round circular camera pod mm -hmm. island mesa thing with like a whole splattering of telephotos and cameras and things. Yeah, and I'm excited an about that be because the rumors are, and we talked about it last week, is that, you know, that Litia stacked pixel sensor that gathers more light in the same surface area is in the OnePlus Open. And that is not a one-inch sensor for the main. It's it's like a, it's a pretty big sensor. But it's not, they are making a one-inch version of that sensor for mm. this phone. So we're going to get, not only are we going to get a one-inch sensor, but we're going to get a one-inch sensor that gathers twice as much light as the previous champion. And so, you know, when you see some of the photography come out of these Chinese phones, like the Xiaomi 13 Ultra or the previous Find X6 Pro, it's really impressive. Or the current Vivo X100 Pro, which is this Dimensity 9300 Vivo flagship that came out when we were at MediaTek Summit in November but it's, it's not available in the West. So we're not sure if the Finest 7 series is going to come out in the West yet, but at least we know what it's going to look like and hopefully it does make it at least to Europe. So those of you who you know import your phones here will be able to enjoy it. And that's why I'm excited about this phone because it's been a camera imaging monster for a while. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to play with them, but basically if you no, use I a haven't. OnePlus phone, it's like, imagine your best OnePlus phone that's a bar phone with the cameras that are like out of control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. basically what it is. I mean, the camera module looks really impressive. The design, uh, you know, kind of the, the rear facing design, like this two-toned kind of thing with is that leather on the bottom like is that legitimate yeah, some like of them leather have embedded pleather, design yeah some of them have pleather like yeah. like basically like you've as I said it's very much you take the one plus open like i have the green one plus open and it's okay. glass in the back but if you have the black one plus open it's pleather in the back and that's oppo like bbk group has been doing the vivos also have the pleather back the realme mm -hmm. that i'm playing with now the gt5 pro is pleather back it's it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't <laughs> it mind it. Thing. You know when you, that old camera vibe when cameras had totally. a leather? Totally. Yes. Yeah. It feels it nice in hand. You that. know, it's certainly less greasy touch to, to the touch than like glass. Yeah. And it's you know, it's it's got the kind of sticky, not not sticky as in like tacky or anything like that, but that kind of resistant quality that isn't going to easily slip out of your hand, which is nice with the texture like that, for sure. And it's interesting because the Ultra is going to have Snapdragon Gen 3 and then the 7 is going to have the Diamond C9300. And it's pretty much in line with what we've seen in the past um, mm -hmm. with the previous versions of like the X6 series. So to me, what's standing out here is that essentially, if you look at this, and this is very BBK group, very, very Oppo OnePlus kind of like base in, inside baseball, is that... This is a OnePlus 12 from everything that's leaked of the OnePlus 12 with the cameras even further, you know, like crazier sets of, of settings for the camera, specs for the cameras. Whereas, you know, right now, every leak that we've seen so far in rumor says that the OnePlus 12 is going to have the exact same cameras as the Open, mm, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So think of it as an Open with wireless charging and with a super bright 4,500 milliamp hour display and uh not folding that's what the one plus 12 is going to be basically so not too crazy oh and snapdragon 8 gen 3 which obviously right, right? which i mean like half of these phones that we're going to talk about today <laughs> so <laughs> then if you want to go up from there you can go to these phones from oppo and get yeah. the crazier cameras including that one inch litia sony sensor 
So, and of course, I think it's two periscopes or maybe like there's at least two telephotos on there. That's why there's four lenses. There's ah, like, which makes me happy. And they're all multi-megapixel too. And you know the other thing that I'm really excited about, Jason, and I hope you can get yourself your hands on the new OnePlus phones, like the Open or the 12, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's like the fact that they're doing, they're spacing them out evenly. It's not like 1X, 3X, 10X, you know, or 1X, 5X, like we have on the iPhone 15 yeah, Pro right. Max. Mm-hmm. It's 1X, 3X, and then 6X by doing cropping of the periscope sensor. And that's what I love so much about the Open is that you do get that progression, right? You get the ones, the sensor at 1x does its thing, then it crops the center losslessly to 2x, then you get 3x on the telephoto, mm-hmm. then it crops that because it's a 64 megapixel sensor to the center, and you get a 16 megapixel non pixel yeah. bin, yeah. And so, you, you know, and then with this, I think they're adding a 10x or something like they're adding, or I think they're adding a 6x, so you're getting a 6x, and then you can do 12x by cropping. See what I'm saying? So now yeah. you have like yeah. this very linear zoom evolution, and that to me is like you know, it's a minor thing, but the, the camera hardware is constantly evolving to the it point is. where you know, Apple just introduced 48 megapixels last year on their main sensor, and oh my god, they did their first periscope folded lens, kind of you know, on the Pro Max at 5x, but with a 12 megapixel sensor. These guys are doing 50, 64, 48 as their ultra wise, as all the, every zoom lens has like multi megapixels. And so you can pixel bin in low light, but then you can also like crop in good light and get this almost lossless experience because those sensors are so big. The pixel sizes are like one, 1.2, 1.12 microns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're, you're still doing some pretty decent work. Add OIS to that or in-body stabilization, like some previous right. fine Xs. And I think it's pretty compelling package. Yeah, and it's it's easy to look at the advances in camera technology on these smartphones in the last handful of years and think, oh my God, how does it get better? But that's so creative to be able to do that the way that you're talking about and kind of step through um, those, you know, those multiple more or less optical kind of zoom states. I mean, it's, that's my favorite camera on cameras these days is the true optical zoom. I use it probably more than any camera. And I, you know, I've gotten in the habit of backing away in order to use it, you know, getting distance because the man, you know, and I, I do like the phone that I have is the pixel eight pro. And so I use the, you know, the zoom on the pixel eight pro probably more than any other camera. And, uh, I just, I, I enjoy having that options so knowing that there's that many steps and still retaining that that kind of um that crispness quality of the image that's really that would make me very happy i mean that's what surprised me the most about the open is that not just for one plus but for the entire bbk group universe other than Mm -hmm. vivo who's always done excellent work with the x series that they finally delivered a camera system that wasn't a camera centric phone right because the open is really a folding phone um that was baseline better in my opinion than an iphone up there with the s23 ultra and the pixel 8 pro which Mm -hmm. is like amazing in its own right and then so this x7 is taking up one more notch over that so we're really they're really getting serious and you know for apple that was not too surprising apple's always been slightly better than oneplus at imaging but i think that was artificially created they wanted to keep oneplus to be the lower rung and mm-hmm. now they're not doing that anymore. They're giving OnePlus the goods. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what's significant. 
Um, speaking of which, Realme, which is also like Realme is weird because I keep saying this, right? Like clearly OnePlus has been integrated into Oppo. So like if you look at the BBK group, yes. you've got Oppo with OnePlus underneath it. You've got Realme and you've got Vivo and Vivo has sub-brands too called IQOO. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're kind of more affordable, right? And Realme is more affordable too. Like that's the idea. But what's striking to me about Realme is that they really should be part of Oppo and OnePlus there because they're so similar. The part spin is almost identical. The software is very much virtually the same as ColorOS. So it's like, why haven't they been pulled in and integrated in this universe that Pete Lau has created where he wants Oppo to be the kind of the, the Uber brand? Mm-hmm. Why is Realme still a separate thing? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Like they've integrated OnePlus now. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Realme, I've got the GT5 Pro, which is their current flagship, and it's a preview of what the OnePlus 12 is going to give us. It's essentially the same camera system as the Open and the 12, but with an 8 megapixel ultra wide. So they, they kind of cut the ultra wide down in terms of performance to mm. make it a little more affordable and you know place it in the lineup a little lower. Because here's the thing, Realme didn't used to make flagships that good. Their thing was always... High speed charging, they did the 240 watt, right? And they did like flagship processor and RAM and storage for a really affordable price point. And so they would sacrifice the camera. They would sacrifice like plastic frame, stuff like that. But now with this phone that I have in my pocket, the one I showed you guys last week and I can show you again this week, which I've finally been using and taking photos with and is kind of blowing my mind. This is it in a case here, but you can see this crazy camera pod, very reminiscent of the OnePlus Open pod. And this mm-hmm. camera is blowing my mind. It's really good. This is a China-only phone, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Realme is kind of edging into OnePlus 12. Like, this is possibly a better phone than the OnePlus 12R that's rumored. So, like, how is this possible? And then on top of that, we see this teaser that Realme mm-hmm. just did of another Periscope telephoto, possibly the same. Maybe they just slightly changed the cosmetics and they're coming out with this Chinese phone in India because Realme is huge in India. Or it could also be a more affordable mid-ranger with a Periscope telephoto, which has happened before. Not from Realme, but from Oppo. Oppo has made mid-rangers with Periscopes a few years back, the Reno series. So I don't know what to make of this, but what I'm trying to say is that I'm not quite sure I understand how Realme is still standing at its own brand when it's so similar to Oppo and OnePlus. And now it's going up market, right? So do you remember yeah. how OnePlus went up market and we're all like, uh, <laughs> and now it seems to be okay. Like the, I think the OnePlus mm-hmm. Open shows that maybe the strategy of Oppo being the rest of the world brand and OnePlus being the Western brand is a good strategy for BBK Group. So what's so your then take where does on real all me? of this? Yeah, <laughs> so what, where does real me uh, stand in place? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to have a take on this. I have had zero personal experience with real me. So I have you know, no like firsthand um, experience to draw from as far as any sort of comparison right. between these three devices. But I would agree, you know, as somebody who you know, works in the technology journalism realm for a living, it's hard for me to even understand why a brand like Realme exists in the kind of umbrella of those other brands. And if it's hard for me to understand that, you better believe like but is it important? But is that an important distinction for the wider public? 
if they see a phone, you know, by Realme that that satisfies a certain need or requirement that they have, does it really matter? Um, I think as a brand, it, you know, it, as a kind of an overall, you know, brand strategy, it does matter. But um, it's it's super confusing to me. I I don't understand the. Realme I think thing. you have to look at the historicals, right? What happened was Xiaomi started this, right? Xiaomi was like, we're making these phones, and then they're like, oh, India wants cheaper phones, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's make let's make Redmi as a cheaper brand. And they did that. And it was very successful. Then mm -hmm. Oppo saw that and went like, BBK was like, holy crap, they're making so much money on these Redmi phones. Let's make our own brand. And of course they called it Realme, like very close name, right? <laughs> and then so Realme close. existed. And Realme <laughs> was funny. a runaway success in India as well. But this is years ago. This is three, four, five years ago. This is pre-COVID yeah. times even. So at this point, it's all changed. You know, the economy has changed everywhere worldwide. You know, the globalization, the, the ease of yeah. import and, and manufacturing, Absolutely. and it's all changed. And so I think these brands don't necessarily reflect, like Redmi, some Redmi phones have gone up market. Some Realme phones have gone up market. So it's hard to tell. And I think because of that, it's more becoming a, a geographical play. Like I think mm. Realme needs to exist right That's now it. because it's so strong in India. Like 100%. But what I don't understand is why it hasn't been folded into the Oppo bigger picture. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. Vivo really does its own thing over there. But you look at what Realme is doing. It's not, it's totally Oppo. It's an Oppo playbook, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what's interesting to me. And related to all these camera news, we have a micro four thirds rumor on a phone. And this I am is, really this taking bonkers. this one with a grain of salt. Because look, <laughs> I, the problem with this, it's not, it's not that it's impossible. Right, we've seen one-inch sensors. The problem is the Z depth, right? Like we, you can't put a sensor that big on a phone yeah. without making it thicker or making the lens Absolutely. bomb thicker, unless you use something like what Apple did with their weird folded design, which isn't perpendicular folded, right? You know what I'm saying? It's it's like it's stacked, like basically the the mm -hmm. signal path is like out and then sideways and out, right? Whereas mm -hmm. uh, a normal periscope is like a ninety degree angle kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. Unless you do something like that, and maybe that's the thing, maybe there's now optics that let you do this with a probably very larger bump, but not a bump that's to the point where you can't put the phone in your pocket. So if that's the case, cool. But at the same time, you know how it is with those big sensors. One of the problems, one inch, in my opinion, as much as I love it because I kind of love the flaws of one inch sensors. I love the super shallow depth of field. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. the fact that you get that weird like all the defects you get on the edges, you know? The distortions, yeah. Distortion, yeah. chroma aberrations, all these things, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's kind of why I'm like, okay, let's try this. But at the same time, I'm like, Ugh. and then if, if you have this, you need variable aperture, which a lot of the new one-inch phones now have, like the Xiaomi 14 Pro and the th I think the 13 Ultra before it had like, two sets of apertures and the 14 Pro has continuously variable aperture from 1.4 to 4.0 or something. So then you, if you have variable aperture, then you don't have that shallow depth of field issue anymore, right? But that adds another layer, right, of, you know, complicated mechanics between your sensor and your lens. And I'm sure that can be reliable. I'm not worried about the reliability of it. I'm just more like, how does it not get very expensive and very complicated very quickly and add to that thickness, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the quick the thickness is a real big 
consideration, real big question that I had uh, reading through this is that we've been in a race to, you know, miniaturize or rather thin near eyes our devices. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> make our devices thinner. And uh, this would kind of, I would guess anyways, uh, outside of any you know special uh, technology voodoo go counter to that. But I mean, yeah. And, and as I think about this, I'm like, okay, but, but if, if it creates a, a, uh, a smartphone imaging uh, situation that is different, like the quality is just insane or the stylistic output is something that you have a hard time replicating with other smartphones, people might be okay with that. At the same time, we're also in this realm of smartphone photography and have been for quite a few years now of computational photography that's doing an insane right. bit of work to kind of uh, recreate some of these qualities and be pretty darn effective in that. So maybe it's totally unnecessary, but I'm super interested to see if this actually happens. I think it's a really interesting idea. I mean, this can go two ways, right? One way is somebody does it like the first company, it was Sharp with Aquos in Japan, made a one-inch camera. They worked together with, I, I want to say Leica on it. And, and it wasn't, the phone wasn't good. The camera wasn't that great. Mm, but hey, we put yeah. a one-inch sensor but in the phone. But we did it. Yeah. But then, yeah, if, yeah. you know, p people didn't let that sit. At first, we thought this is a one-off. It's not going to take off based on the performance and the results. But then Xiaomi did it, and they did it right. And then Oppo did it, and they did it right. And so now we have a history of one-inch sensors at work. So maybe it's going to be the same. Somebody does it. It's an outlier, and everybody's like shaking their heads. And then maybe somebody takes it and does it better like two or three years down the road. Right. Or it's totally just an outlier and it stays that way because it's just not practical with today's science, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. How much of, how much of a difference has the, because I haven't had direct, you know, again, I, I, sh I should, uh, you know, <laughs> reiterate all that Android, the show that I did for a very long time went away mid-year. And once, once that was canceled mid-year, I kind of went through a desert moment with android yeah. right i was not very close to it on a daily basis the way i had been so there's a lot there's a lot of things that have happened in recent months slash the last year that i haven't had a whole lot of direct experience with one inch sensors being kind of one of those i want to get a camera or a phone that has you know one of those one inch sensors to play around with it but what is the quality difference that you see aside from the the like quirky elements that you're talking about like does it create better photos than the photos yes. that we're used to and some of the top line phones that we're using it really does it, it looks more like a real camera you know that it's, it's intangible yeah. thing right right you right. look at a real phone, like, air quotes yeah that was taken with a dslr or yeah you know you totally. get you get more of that vibe and okay and i think some of it is a shallow next field but i also think it's just in general you get more detail more light right especially in low light, like in portrait photography becomes delightful. It's just a lot of little things that just add up to a slightly better experience. And, you know, some people don't like it. Some people are like, they want that more smaller sensor vibe that you get on an iPhone or yeah. even a Pixel or a Galaxy because they're like, it looks, you know, it looks too artsy, you know, or whatever, right? Like, yep. I think there is different, like the average person out there who just smashes the shutter button and hopes to capture their kids, right? The reason a lot of them are on iPhones is because it just works, right? Like, I mean, it's mm -hmm. not going to be the best photos ever, like to people like you and me who maybe care a bit more about photography. But there's something to be said about a consistency thing. I think this one-inch sensor stuff, Oppo and Xiaomi made it 
happen such that it still works well automated, but it's really shines more and and sony's done it too on the xperia it shines more when you start playing with the settings a bit you know and start mm. experimenting a little bit especially on the ones that have variable aperture and then it starts to become real fun but the average person doesn't care about that right yeah they're not going through those steps yeah but the first That's time the i time. saw like i have the xiaomi 13 pro non-ultra it has the one inch sensor but it doesn't have the variable aperture and the first time i saw uh, the photos come out of that i was like oh yeah i'm very pleased with that well it also helps that xiaomi has partnered with leica so they have the leica color science sure uh in the same way as bbk group has partnered with hasselblad on the oppo OnePlus side and with zeiss on the vivo side so um you know that's also another thing that we don't talk about there is the hardware which we just talked about a lot there is the ai computational photography software which google is still i think the master of and mm -hmm. then there is the color science and the color science mm. right now i really like what i'm seeing coming out of the companies that have partnered with traditional photo camera manufacturers i like Hasselblad, but I also like what Leica and I also like what Zeiss is doing. It's different flavors of the, but it's definitely unmistakably adds a flavor to the photography that again makes it more like, oh yeah, I feel like you're really using a real camera. And I think for some people that's great and some people don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Moving on to more OnePlus news. Okay, so we talked about it earlier. Like all these phones, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 are coming out, but that also means that. The HN3 is probably a pretty expensive chip, right? So the HN2 is a very, very solid chip still. And in mm -hmm. the same way as we saw a lot of phones come out last year with the 8 Plus Gen 1, uh, we're going to see a lot of um, more mid-range-ish flagship or uh, affordable flagships, as it were, come out with um, 8 Gen 2. And the rumors are that we're going to get a OnePlus 12R in the West. Um, for the first time, the 12, the R series has been reserved to India as a kind of cut down. So think of the T version, remember one plus 10 T, 11 T, you know, uh, there wasn't an 11 T this year, but there right. would be, if there would be, that would have been, there was an, I think there was an 11 R in, in India. So my point is R and T are kind of similar. They cut down a little bit on specs and you get a lower price point, you get a flagship experience. So supposedly we're getting a 12 R, but here's what's interesting. The specs are out. And more importantly, there's word of a, a ace 3 come out on january 4th in china but that ace 3 looks identical to the 12r and the ace naming has always been reserved to oneplus in china so i mm. think to me i'm not sure 100 here but what i'm thinking is happening here is if you look at the news for the week of january 4th if you can get past all the cs stuff uh, you're gonna see that this phone is going to be the same as the 12r ultimately basically so what matters here the most is that the 12r rumors are I'll paraphrase, but it's basically a OnePlus 11 with the display from the OnePlus 12 and maybe slightly lesser cameras. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. So Snapdragon Gen 2, like the 11, uh, possibly no wireless charging, but I'm not sure. And uh, slightly a similar camera pod, slightly lesser cameras instead of the telephoto, there's a macro. But that's all speculative right now right mm -hmm. we don't know but the point is it's possible that you'll have a choice between a very expensive one plus 12 and a more affordable 12 r here in the u.s mm -hmm. okay and that and that doesn't strike me as as odd or or out of place like you said the t release you know save for the 11 um you know we we 
here in the U.S., we were used to seeing the T-release kind of come but in. But six and do months later, so it's interesting it's at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, having it at the same time. I wonder, this kind of reminds me of, you know, when Samsung kind of shuffled things around, they used to have, you know, their Note series later in the year. And then that kind of moved up because that would, the later in the year was ended up being the foldable. Now you've got the open you know, maybe OnePlus is kind of following a similar playbook. I there. think you're right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's exciting to me because I feel like if they do this right, if the, it just really depends on the pricing. Like, I'm sure both phones are going to be great, yeah. right? For me, it's clearly the $12 one because I want the better cameras and I want wireless charging. And why not go with the 8 Gen 3? By the way, that Realme GT5 Pro that I all showed you on image, mm. for those of you watching the Patreon video, that one has an 8 Gen 3 in it. So it's super fast. I think that I think they're going to be great. The question is, how great are they going to be for their money? Because it, this is going to be announced roughly around the same time as the Galaxy, or just the laughter. So, yeah. ah, like, they better Ooh, be, they better a, be yeah. competitive, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're going up against the yeah, one of the biggest <laughs> heavy hitters that, that there is. You be better crazy. have something special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. So basically, like, we just spent a lot of time talking about Oppo. Realme OnePlus because again this shift of scheduling of the new uh, Snapdragon and MediaTek chips has made all these phones coming out um in the next basically f few weeks early January this in China at least for some of them and the west mm -hmm. apparently for the OnePlus and the Samsung Another thing that seems to be more MWC focused, Mobile Congress in February, late February, early March, is the Nothing Phone 2A. Last week, I mentioned that it had leaked. We had we saw that the back design, even though it was like in a in a case that hid the back, that the camera layout was very different. Mm -hmm. So it means that they're not following the same aesthetic as Phone One and Phone Two. So they're going to have a new glyph of some kind, I guess. But the specs have leaked and the price is sub 400 euro, which, you know, doesn't really translate. If that, if that phone even makes it to the US, which I'm not convinced it will at this point, to be frank, because I don't think, you know, getting carrier approval and stuff like they did for nothing phone two, it took a year, right? They did the one, mm -hmm. it didn't come out in the West or in, in the US, I should say. And then we got, we got the two, which is a great phone. But mm -hmm. the 2A, I don't think we're going to see. But what's interesting is the specs. What, are you, what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing is, again, they're all playing from similar playbooks between themselves. You know, nothing has <laughs> a pretty small catalog of devices right now. And I think it really, you know, is is in a position It's where it's produced a couple of, of very interesting phones that they would, of course, like to get a lot more kind of movement, brand movement on and uh, a great way to do that is to kind of lower down the specs and water down the specs a little bit come out with a mid-range that's competitive which we know that nothing phone can can make their devices competitive based on what we've seen from the one and the two uh and put a nice you know solid uh mid-range price on it if it's you know if that ends up i mean i don't know what that would translate into us dollars is that close to 400 dollars somewhere around there which sounds about right for me i mean it it, it makes sense for to me for nothing to have a phone in this range i think there's a part of me that's a little surprised that they're doing this so quickly because other you know ma you know other manufacturers like oneplus if we had to compare against yeah it right? took them a while <laughs> to kind of ramp up to this point and nothing's going for it you know well i think Calpe has a lot of experience from the first time around yeah, and i think that sure. you know his end goal to, is i that's think his true. end goal is an exit 
Like I, I think that's yeah. what clearly is happening here, right? Like he's already launched. I mean, not him. Nothing has already launched a line of affordable earbuds and smartwatch in India, right? Mm -hmm. So we've never seen those products now. The only way I can see this coming to North America is as a competitor to Pixel 7a. Mm, yeah. Right. If you look at the specs right now, the only thing that's kind of downgraded really from the phone 2 is the Dimensity 7200, which is mid-range-ish. You know, mm. it's not a Snapdragon 8-something, right? So that is the first sign that is, is, but the display looks solid. AMOLED, 1080p, 120 hertz. We got two 50 megapixel sensors here, ultra wide and regular. Both are not crappy. They're not awesome. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Like, I have a feeling this is really geared at India, right? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. I'm not sure we'll see this in North America. But if we do, I think it could compete well with like a Galaxy A series or a Pixel yeah. something A. And mm -hmm. again, the A nomenclature is really interesting here, you know? I, I think Kyle is really kind of going for it. Like, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to go and put my feet right in the middle of the ocean here. And when, <laughs> when you're talking mid-range, like, I don't know that, you know, if it did come to the U.S. that you would necessarily see any of these devices inside of a carrier store. But I could envision a future where you go into a carrier store and like there, you know, it's a C, it can often be a sea of mid-range phones. And it's like, well, I don't even know which one's the right one, which <laughs> one is the, sell, the, the, the person right. who I'm talking to choosing to sell me on. But you better believe a mid-range device that does all the interesting glyphy things on the very back. It's cool, you know, that right? Would be a, that would be a big selling point. I mean, that would certainly catch the eyes and attention of people going in in that circumstance. You know, and this phone also is very similar to another phone that we actually do get here in the West, in, in the US and Canada, which is kind of flown under the radar this year, which is the Moto Edge 2023, not the Edge Plus, which was their super bonker flagship that they did in, in, in July that quickly got eclipsed by the Razer. But that was a really solid phone, the Edge Plus. But they also did the Edge, which came out in the fall. I've been using that phone on and off, and it's like a completely fly under the radar. It's really good. And it's also MediaTek Dimensity 7200. And it's also got a 50 megapixel main sensor. But it's it's really thin. It's metal and glass. Actually, it's metal and vegan leather. So it's really well made. It has uh, wireless charging and, you know, tons of storage. And it costs like 400-ish dollars, right? So my point is that this is exactly like there are now phones in the U.S., which really makes me happy, beyond the Pixel A series that are solid mid-ranger, like kind of like almost, almost flagship level in some ways, mm. but not quite, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think, yeah, it's very possible that nothing could decide to come and play in this area here in North America. But I have a feeling that they're going to focus on the MWC launch, are going to focus on yeah. India and Europe first, right? Yeah, that's if my anything. feeling too. Absolutely. Let's see. We got another final phone thing. It's more like I missed mentioning this on a previous show, but Honor is partnering as Porsche Design. Does this sound familiar? Honor, <laughs> who came out of Huawei, partnering with Porsche Design, who Honor did a bunch of high-end phones with. I, I love Honor, but I really feel like some weird way that we can put together they're still kind of attached to huawei some way like because the, the yeah. os is so similar the the specs sheets on the devices is so similar like they keep coming out with ryyb sensors on their phones you know who did ryyb huawei did right like it's just it's just weird like i know they're separate companies and all but like ah. so anyway 
that's that's a thing now. We're gonna see Porsche design on our phones. Are you yeah. ready for this? Yeah. Did you did you show off? I guess a couple of weeks ago there were some leaked designs of of these devices, and I was looking yeah. at a few of those. And yeah, I mean, you know that there's like a pearl white variant that uh, I would say I liked a little bit better than the red and gray two-tone approach. I mean, yeah, I, I, I never know who is the market for these, these devices. I, I know it's not me. I'm not rich a car Chinese. person. Is it rich Chinese? Like I've got, my phone's got to match my, my vehicle in some way. My, shape, or it's form. Not or it's an aspirational it's like my, play. My, my phone says Porsche on it. Yeah. Right. It's aspirational then. Right. Yeah. I yeah, mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, uh, not there's though. nothing wrong with this. I, if yeah. any, it's just making, it's just raising an eyebrow for me again. Yeah. Honor, what are you? Can you please create your own identity? Because <laughs> I do not understand what you are. And, you know, I, I, when I was gathering the news for this, for this, for this podcast, I was, there's so much other Honor news right now that I just skimped over because I, I'm going to focus on their folding phones and their flagships. They are launching so many phones right now, especially in China, that I can't keep track anymore. And mm. a lot of them are very interesting. There's a mid-ranger they just announced called the X50 GT that has a variable aperture lens on a mid-ranger. Like, I'm just saying, like, it's mm. cool, but like, can we please make sense of our lineup here? Because I'm not, like, it's very clear to me that the magic numbered phone right is the flagship like magic 5 last year and magic 6 coming up for mwc i'm sure but beyond that there's the 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 magic v series which are the v for folding right and they're great mm -hmm. like you know the v2 i don't know if you know this because you were out for a while there mm -hmm. but the v2 mm -hmm. is the thinnest book style tablet style folding phone in the world it is thinner than an iphone 14 pro max when shut wow that is impressive Okay, That's and it's impressive. not a crappy phone. Like it's one of the best foldables of 2023. And mm -hmm. so, like it's it's China only. It supposedly is going to come out in the West. Their PR person is amazing, and she was telling me, "Stay tuned for like MWC, basically for you know potential news on this a variant of this phone coming out." But it's so thin, and when you shut, it feels like you're just using a candy bar phone, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where the OnePlus Open is kind of going. It's not quite there because it's a little thicker. But like, I think ultimately, two, three years from now, when bookstore folding phones are a thing for every manufacturer, we're going to see them being about the same as a candy bar, you know, normal phone just that just happens to open. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I'm, I'm I know. All for How that. can we not be excited Absolutely. about that? Right? Yeah, like this is fun. cool. So yeah. that's it for honor news. Uh, last couple of things. Somehow Apple was able to appeal <laughs> the ban and the ban has been paused. What's your take on this whole Apple watch fiasco? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little confusing to me to understand. I mean, it's so much happened this week when this was, you know, it, in, in relation to this story. I mean, it was banned white house backed it appeals court then comes and, and reverses the order. And who knows, you know, about how long these things are going to be sold. I mean, at the end of the day, patents were found to be infringing. I mean, there needs to be some sort of resolution around this. And I don't think that Apple as a company, just because they have mountains upon mountains of money resting on top of mountains of money, um, should be, you know, impervious to any sort of actual punishment, um, around this just because they're Apple. But yeah, so I, so I don't know exactly how I feel about this. Obviously this is just temporary and 
I don't know when it's going to reach its resolution. I mean, I think Apple should do the right thing and, yeah. and resolve this somehow. But I also feel that part of the problem here, this is the vibe I'm getting. And I don't like this vibe. The CEO of Massimo, whatever the company is called, mm. that um, the, is saying that patent got infringed, got all high horsey on social media about it. And it's a European company. And he has that very European attitude of like, you owe us something. And I think it's not helping the battle. Like, I mm. think a very calm approach of saying, hey, you know, this is a conflict we have with Apple. We're wanting to work with you to resolve it. Money should be exchanged. And can we make that happen? I think that would happen. But they're very combative about it. They're yeah. using the opportunity that this is Apple yes. to, to do like, look, big, bad tech. And I'm like, yeah. F off, okay? Like, Somebody actually corrected me on threads, I think it was, and I want to thank them because I used the word patent troll last week because it comes across to me like that. Like I'm, I'm 100% believe that Apple could have infringed on a patent. It happens all the time. Yeah, and for sure. They should make it right. But mm -hmm. at the same time, Massimo, the way they're approaching this is just not like, it's not right. And I... I I know they're the underdog. Yeah, whatever. Come on. You can't be the underdog if you're a massive company that makes, you know, healthcare equipment. You know how much that stuff sells for. They make sure. a huge profit on that stuff. Like, don't play the victim. I don't like it. I just don't think it's right. It makes you come across as petty. There aren't a lot of companies out there that would find themselves in the position to have any sort of, of semblance of control over a company like Apple. And I, so I think you're absolutely right. They're in a position where they recognize, okay, we've got something on them. How do we play this to the end and you know maximize kind of at, from an attention standpoint, from a monetary standpoint, how do we max, maximize all these things? And uh, so that's obviously that's part of their strategy is really leaning into this. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agree that that's the right approach, but I also understand why they might choose yeah, to no, do that. I, I Not many companies should, find themselves in that position. I know? think this should be resolved. I think they yeah. should get what they you know, uh, what the, the value of their, their patent back yeah, from Apple. Absolutely. And Apple can certainly cough that money out. So, mm -hmm. but it's just, the, uh, the whole thing is just feeling yeah. weird to me. Um, yeah. um, speaking of watches and smartwatches, there's strong, strong rumors that Fossil is going to be dropping Wear OS in future smartwatches. I... The initial rumor was that they might stop making watches. I don't think that's going to happen. They have too much invested in, uh, you know, all these brands like Diesel and, and, and you know, Mont Blanc and whatever else. I don't know if Mont Blanc is part of them, but, like, there's a whole bunch of brands. Um, and clearly they have not been happy with their partnership with Wear OS mm -hmm. um, because they haven't updated their watches they haven't really delivered on the features that they were going to deliver i don't know what went wrong there i'm not surprised though and i'm calling it now we're going to see them adopt some kind of real-time os which is similar to what like the oneplus watch did and all the chinese watches are doing these days like two-week right. battery life you know you get your notifications you get like a, some kind of voice assistant you get your health and fitness um, tracking but you don't really get like apps in the yeah. sense of what we have on Wear OS. Really seemed for a while there like the fashion brand element of smartwatches was Wear OS's saving grace. Like Wear OS 
in general wasn't you know catching catching a lot of uh the right kind of attention and at a certain point i'd say in the you know last two three maybe four years the fashion brand element kind of came into play i was like okay well at least i suppose if it exists to you know (laughs) for these fashion brands then that's that's something versus nothing but um so it is yeah it is a little interesting to see a little little change in in the the direction of the wind there how is how is this going with other fashion brands is is my my question like you know there are other brands that have been relying on wear os are they making similar changes right now because i mean they have to go up against you know especially now with the kind of the modern version of wear os and google owning fitbit you know there's that's a strong kind of comparison point samsung health is actually pretty damn solid um so you know it's it's not the the Android wearable market now, I feel like, is a little different than it was three to four years ago when it was struggling. I don't feel like it's struggling as much anymore. I think it still has a long way to go. But um, yeah, so I'm just kind of curious if there's other fashion brands that are. I mean, my understanding right now is there's really three big players: Samsung, Google with the Pixel Watch, and Fossil Group. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Garmin uses their own stuff. Yep. Then there's all the Chinese who use their own stuff. And, you know, Oppo still, I think, makes a Wear OS watch, but, like, they're a minor player, right? And it's only mm-hmm. sold in China, and it's heavily customized. But, like, at this yeah, point, it's like... So, I have a Galaxy Watch 6 Classic here, I think, the one with the bezel that rotates. I can remember yep. what model that is. Yep. And it's great. It's yeah, it's basically it reminds me very much of the Tizen watches from the days before, which I also really liked. Yeah. I used to have a first gen Pixel watch for like eight months, nine months last year, and I liked it too. You've, you're wearing the new one, I guess. I'm wearing the new one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I have the new one. I haven't set it up because I like bigger watches, and this fits my wrist better. So I'm just gonna stick with it's the definitely Samsung. Definitely a smaller watch, yeah. But look, the reality is, I'm happy with the experience. Both are slightly different, but similar enough, and you can set them up like the, yeah. everything works more or less the same. I've got. Google Pay on my Samsung watch. I've got the assistant from Google on my Samsung watch. So I'm happy. I got what I need. But the reality is, you know, you look at what Apple's doing and it's still nothing comes close. Like I just, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you want that though. Like I was very happy with those Chinese watches with two week battery life from Huawei back in the day, the GT series and uh, the OnePlus watch. Once they fixed all the bugs, which literally took three months, but they did eventually. That's the sad story is that they launched a watch and it was a dud because the software was unfinished and we all panned it, except I could see that it was going to get resolved. And so I, my review is more positive, but you know, they're that watch ended up being okay in the end, but like it, the reputation was killed. Too little, right? too late. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I'm willing to live with a, a lesser smart watch, as it were, one that lasts longer in battery life, just does the basics. But if I have to live with one that integrates well with my Pixel right now, honestly, it's more likely to be the Galaxy Watch than the Pixel Watch because of aesthetic and sizing preference. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. interesting on the. So Android Faithful, you know, I just joined that a couple of weeks ago. And um, the last episode that we did for patrons was all about kind of like favorite kind of, yes, hardware, but also news threads of the year and everything like that. And I'll tell you, I was actually really surprised at my own pick because at the top of my list was the Pixel Watch 2. And the reason that I was surprised about that is because I time and time and time again, I have tried to do the wearable thing and fought to figure out why I need 
why I, why I might feel motivated to keep charging it at the end of the night and putting it on my wrist every single morning. And for whatever reason, and I'm still, it's still a little intangible for me, but the pixel watch two has really kept my attention and made me, you know, I made me really, uh, optimistic about the current state of wear OS and kind of what I need out of this. I don't need all of the, all of the features, you know, like you're talking less features, but it does the basics, but it's still smart enough. Like that and has like a long battery life. Like that's kind of ideal for me because I'm I'm yeah. not really using mine to track my sleep. Like I have no interest. But that's in the thing. That these sort of these stuff. Chinese watches do all this really well. They track your steps, your sleep. Your they integrate with Google Fit. Like none of that is a problem. It's just the you don't get the actual apps like Google Maps. And, yeah, you know, right. The actual okay. equivalent apps like an Uber app for your watch or whatever. But I never yeah. use that. All I want but is I never notification. Use that. Totally. I yeah. want notification. I want my health and fitness stuff. Like they come yeah. with basic fitness tracking, any like auto activity detection and everything. And it integrates nicely with Fit and other like Fitbit and other uh, system through the yep. app on your phone, right? That talks to the watch. And That's then right. uh, they do sleep and they do, uh, you know, as I said, notifications. But the great thing about them is they're these nice watches with OLED displays that last two weeks on a charge. And, mm. you know, and are. Yeah, they're water resistant. You can go swimming. They have swim detection, all that. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that when you are used to the Apple way of doing thing, where you have literally have apps you can install on your watch that, you know, really take advantage of the hardware. And to a lesser extent, Wear OS, this is not what you're getting. So for me, I can live without it. You sound like you can live without it. But I think a lot of yeah. people could live without it if they tried. It's just that they're convinced because of right. Apple that there's no other way, which is why Samsung keeps making these pseudo apple watch competitors wear os and pixel of course is going to do wear os because well it's it's google yeah of right? course of course anyway uh quickly want to mention that xiaomi's su7 ev is officially out and is basically targeting the porsche tycon which is porsche's uh very you know only ev right now and a very very fast very very competitive in terms of performance ev i i uh it, it does have very a very similar greenhouse glass shape to the porsche tycon the front end is very different look i wrote an entire article in tech radar a while back about how you know car makers are making phones in china ev makers and phone makers are making evs and cars in China as well. So you got Xiaomi making an EV. You have Huawei's made a bunch of EVs now in partnership, of course, with Chinese state-owned car manufacturers, right? And uh, this is uh, the partner for this car for the Xiaomi is Beijing Automotive, which is an EV maker in China. Um, and then, and then you know, Polestar, for example, you know, the mm -hmm. Volvo sub brand that's owned by Geely or Geely in China, which is an EV only brand now, Polestar, um, has a phone for their cars in China called the Polestar phone because Geely, Geely, whatever you say, the, man, the parent company acquired Meizu. So mm. they made essentially a Meizu a version of the Meizu flagship with Polestar branding for their Polestar cars in China. I want some of these phones to come to the West. Neo, the EV maker from China, has a Neo phone who is made by who knows what, but it's a super high-end flagship, like $900, Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, crazy cameras, metal and glass, like superb, you know, but it integrates seamlessly with the ecosystem of the car. So, you know, uh, maybe Tesla will make a phone in China. But I think in the West, yeah. it doesn't really work because everybody's on Android or iOS. Yeah, totally. In, yeah. in, in China, of course you do that because everything is highly integrated vertically, right? Your, yeah. your Xiaomi, 
phone has Xiaomi Cloud and Xiaomi Assistant in China as its own OS now. They're coming out with their own OS in China, right? Um, it's, it's Android-based still, but they're renaming it from MEUI to something else. Um, and, and so, of course, their car is going to run that OS. And, of course, if you get a phone, it, it, it's seamless, right? That's something we, it's, I think it's hard for us to wrap our heads around here in the West. It's cool, yeah. though. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, like, would Samsung ever be the one to attempt to do something like this? Like, So they could because <laughs> Samsung makes cars in, in Korea in partnership with Renault-Nissan. So they, they could potentially make an EV, but even better, they could partner with their, their you know, the, the next big company in, in Korea, which is the, the, the Hyundai Group. Hyundai Group owns Kia and Genesis and makes EVs that are really great, as we know, Kia and, and Hyundai came out with great cars like the Ionic 5, Ionic 6, EV6, and the upcoming EV9, which is going to be a seven-seater, three-row SUV. The point is they could partner with them and do a, a, I think it's going to be, again, Korea only. Even Korea, people are preferring iPhones now. Samsung's in deep trouble Mm. because in their Mm. own market, they're struggling right now to stay number one. So I don't know. I think China, it just works because of this super vertical ecosystem. And that's why Tesla kind of has that too. So they could probably do that in China. I don't know. It's interesting. It is fascinating though. I love it though. I love the idea that instead of, you know, CarPlay and Android Auto that project your phone onto the the car system that you log in with your Google ID, like Polestar does. They have Google Automotive on their cars in the West. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Or or like, imagine you could log in with your Apple ID and it'd be like an iPad. It transfers everything over. You don't have to worry about your phone. Where's your phone? It'd be like your Apple Watch. You can use the car, get access to all the stuff that's normally on your contacts, your apps, your maps, your things, whatever. It just works. And of course, some stuff is blocked when you're driving, but some Mm -hmm. stuff is, everything is available when you're stopped, which Android Automotive doesn't do right now. Android Automotive is very much a s- small subset of what a normal phone can or tablet can do, which I think yeah. is a mistake. I think it should be basically like a total Android tablet. And then when you hit the drive, you know, lever, like to put the car in drive, it lets, doesn't let you do some stuff or, mm-hmm. or only lets you access certain things by voice, right? But that's fine because I understand the safety concerns. But I still think that it would be great that when the car is stopped, that it's just an Android tablet there. Yeah. With yeah, your login, indeed. with you logged in and all your stuff. So I Love think it. that's kind of how the Chinese are playing it, right? And uh, I want to see how that evolves. I'm very excited about it because I think that, you know, once you understand that EVs is just basically a whole bunch of computer soft, software and hardware on top of some a big battery pack, motors and an inverters to control the motors, you know, at that point, it's all software. And, you know, and computer that runs the show so it's it's not quite the same as a regular car yeah it's hilarious to kind of look at it and be like oh yeah you know it, it makes sense that a smartphone company might uh actually get into the ev game like on one hand on one hand from a technology perspective i suppose it makes sense but on the other hand they are so like they are so completely different like just from a size factor right like from the thing that you carry around and rely on every day because it's sitting in your in your pocket and does all these things to the thing that takes you to all the places that you go because it's so enormous that right. you know that's that's but what they're you rely both on. mobile devices because they let you yeah. roam around right one yeah, one is mobile because it fits in your pocket the other is mobile because it goes you get places. into it <laughs> yes yes yeah. listen Jason we should wrap up do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet 
all the new things you're doing, all the exciting oh, new I things know. you're doing. Come on. Yeah, no, it's it's been a really crazy month. I no longer work at Twit. Um, so I've joined the cast at Android Faithful. So if you go to androidfaithful.com, you can subscribe to uh, the weekly news podcast. It's basically all about Android uh, next generation, TNG. But if you want to follow <laughs> what it. I'm doing, just um, do freejasonnewsletter.com. It's the Substack that I set up. That's like an announcement point because I am working on a number of projects that I'm planning to announce. Uh, few in the next cup in the next month or so so if you subscribe there for free you'll know when i have something and then um i think the final thing is just patreon.com slash jason howell because some people have asked like how can i support you directly and hey i'm not gonna say no so patreon.com slash jason howell and miriam thank you so much for inviting me on it's been fun hanging out with you today oh you bet do you still have your band well, I still write music. I haven't had a band in a very, very long time. But yeah, I still write music. And part of that's certainly part of what I want to do now that I'm, you know, kind of independent and doing my own thing. I get to kind of craft a, a, a career around me, and hopefully it works, um, that is, you know, maybe closer to the things I really enjoy. Music is definitely one of them. Um, I think that's going to be part of the grand kind of spectrum of what I'm doing. I still have to figure out how I work that in, but I want to. That's my Sweet. Well, folks, I'm subscribed to the newsletter. So right now, pause the podcast and go subscribe to Jason's <laughs> newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes, okay? Thank you. And then uh, you know where to find me, folks. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. All the social. It's like the comic book character Tankerl. Just drop all the vowels. That's me on Instagram. That's me on threads. That's me on Twitter. That's me on Blue Sky. So find me there. Talk with me and Jason there. You know, Instagram is where I put pretty pictures of phones, cars, travel food all the cool stuff i'm not big on reels it's mostly photos for me so you know i'm just letting you know and then the podcast list at mobiletechpodcast.com or on all the major podcast apps google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, pocket cast spotify whichever of those are still around subscribe tell your friends uh, if you want to you can even join the rss feed that's at the url i just mentioned so there's a youtube channel youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast with some content there some videos unboxing hands-on that sort of thing so uh you know what to do with youtube like subscribe tell your friends click the bell comment all that good stuff and of course there's a patreon if you want to support me after you go support jason go support me <laughs> patreon.com slash tankerl that's patreon.com slash tnkgrl there is a video version of the podcast. You can get that ahead of the audio version of a couple of days in generally in advance. And you get to see us and show our phones and see our facial expressions and basically be a little bit more personal. I also sometimes leave outtakes when we do something silly. So, uh, check that out and then uh, if you can help that way that'd be great if uh, you don't want to help that way there's another way there is a paypal link in the show notes click through there make a donation so i can support my coffee habit i'd appreciate it and also i want to thank our sponsor mint mobile you know i review a lot of phones so i'm constantly juggling multiple devices while that's fun it also means i'm spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple sims Thankfully, there's Mint Mobile, and that's who I'm teaming up with for today's podcast. If you want to save money on your wireless service, switch to Mint Mobile. You've probably seen the Mint Mobile ads featuring Ryan Reynolds, but let me quickly tell you how fantastic their service is, especially for tech-savvy early adopters like us. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. 
They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the big three for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current devices and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM card free of charge. The whole process only takes 15 minutes, and if you get stuck, Mint has a great customer service team to get you through it. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link mintmobile.com slash mobile tech to get premium wireless starting at $15 a month. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And thanks again, Jason, for being my guest this week. Thank you, Miriam. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Of course, we'll have you on at some point in the future. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So please stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.